Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Raptors Reasonless Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Murphy, coming to you at an inconvenient time. Eric Green and I are recording right before All-Star Reserves are announced on Tuesday. Uh, Eric has a busy Wednesday, and I have a busy Tuesday evening that precludes me from doing this after the All-Stars are selected. So we'll talk uh, about a lot of stuff hypothetically that may or may not uh, be the case by the time you listen to this Wednesday morning. Eric, how's it going, man? Oh, it's been a day that hasn't at all been frustrating. Uh, yeah, it's going really well. I've had some of those too, you know. Yeah, we can talk around that too. <laughs> Do you want to talk around that? I know you have a. I know you've been working on something big that may and, be coming yeah. sometime uh, soon. Yeah, what I was waiting for actually just came through. It was just an interview with somebody, and it should greatly improve what I'm working on. But then you're left with the. Oh crap! I have to change a lot about, or maybe not a lot, but I was close to done before, but it wasn't as good as I'd like. Now I'm further away from done, but hopefully it will be better. So those two sides of me are are sort of waging war against each other. Which one uh, I would prefer? Interesting. Uh, yeah. So I would knowing the details there, uh, I do think that it's going to end up being a better piece for it, and you should be happy and you will be happy with how it turns yes, out. So. There is, you're right, but there's also this time factor, uh, which, as you mentioned, I have a busy Wednesday, which precludes me from thinking about the Raptors until pretty much game time against the Hawks. Uh, anyway, it's going to be fine. Uh, but yes. Your Wednesday, I assume, is busy because the 905 play at 11 a.m. and then the Raptors play at 730 at night? Yeah, nothing else happens in my life. Uh, except Raptors and Raptors-related things. Been there, man. That's uh, that's it. I got asked in one of my 5,000-word mailbags today uh, how much sleep I've been getting, and I looked at my I sleep app, that. which I, I, I don't look at it very often because it terrifies me. Uh, not a lot of sleep is the answer. Yeah. I think, um, not to sound old and go on a rant, I think we have too many metrics. I think... Like, in certain ways, it would be better for our mental health to know less. Ignorance would definitely be better for mental health, 100%. Yeah. I'm not saying that, you know, things like sleep study and, and, you know, if you want to extend it to NBA, the uh, professional sports, like, you know, body load, player load, how fatigued a body is. Like, all of that stuff is obviously Load maintenance. Yes. All of that stuff is very useful, but my lord, when you are naturally wired to sort of keep track of that anyway, the details only sort of exacerbate the anxiety that you give to that uh, the keeping track. Speaking of too many metrics, uh, I've spent the day working on <laughs> Something that's not gonna not gonna work out in the end, uh, but oh, cool. I'm messing around with an expected three point percentage metric where you could just input a player's shooting mix, like location on the floor and defenders and stuff like that, yeah. and it would tell you how much above or below, um, you know, an average three point shooter he is in overall. Yeah, it's been fun to mess around with. I don't really have the 
you know, I can only go so far as Excel can take me. I don't really have the data scraping and stuff like that, but it's, uh, I don't know. It was fun to do. I mostly did it about, yeah, I mostly did it to keep, to look at CJ miles shot mix more, um, because CJ miles is obviously very good, but has been suboptimal. Uh, and yeah, he's shooting 38% and an average player with his shot mix would be expected to hit 36% on those same diet of threes. So a little bit (laughs) extra juice there. Yeah. Uh, it's funny when you put in all that work and the result comes to something, not that 2% doesn't matter, but something that's maybe not as extreme as, as you would think. Yeah. And I still obviously have to mess around with it and stuff because some stuff doesn't matter all that much. And I wonder if I should take it out entirely um, based on the regressions, but uh, defender, the, the one he comes out looking really, really good in is um, proximity of defender. Where yeah. if you only look at that and not other factors like shot clock and, and touch time and things like that, um, he'd be expected to hit only 34.7% of the threes he's taken. So then you're talking about almost, you're, then you're talking about three, three and a half percentage points, which is, uh, you know, over 253s, not nothing. It is not nothing. Uh, he's a good shooter. Right. Uh, they should continue to give him chances. That's my hot take. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good especially, hot take. Especially, and eventually, especially while the Raptors' other players who dabble in three-point shooting find themselves as four of the bottom eight three-point shooters over the last month. As Schumann said. As John Schumann pointed out in the power rankings. That's not great. It's not good. But, you know, but there's reason to think some of those guys will bounce back. And yeah, there's reason largely because to regression, doubt. regression works both ways. Yeah. yeah, and there's reason to believe that maybe some of those guys, even if they bounce back, it won't be very meaningful. Yeah, so if, for those who don't know, uh, the four Raptors who are shooting in the bottom eight for three-point percentage over the last month, Pascal Siakam at 17%, OG Ananobi at 17%, Serge Ibaka at 20.5%, Norman Powell at 22.6%. I'm relatively certain... Uh, based on the available data, that Serge Ibaka is at least a 35% three-point shooter. I don't know if he's much higher than that. He's been about 36.8% for his entire career, uh, even if you isolate it to once he started shooting threes. So that's probably, you know, a realistic expectation for him. But he'll bounce back from 20%. Ananobi, we don't have a large sample on. He came in as a non-shooter. I did that study in the middle of December that basically showed guys who had started as hot as him on as much a volume to start a career. Um, out of all of them, Rodi Boubois was the only one who didn't end up becoming at least a passable three-point shooter. So it would be statistically rare for OG Ananobi to not um, eventually be something around like a 34% three-point shooter. Uh, and then Siakam and Norman you, Powell. You did it. You did that around mid-December, and then what happened? Yeah, Blake? then he, he fell off. It's my fault. Yeah, core causation, not correlation. That's Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, and then Siakam and Norman Powell are guys who, you know, th- we don't really know their true three-point shooting talent. Norman Powell has had three very dramatically different seasons, and even his one good season was very streaky. So, uh, we don't really know. And then Siakam has been this guy, but the team swears up and down he's a better shooter than this. So, I don't really know what to believe with Pascal Siakam. Yep. Keep shooting him. The one maybe uh, beneficial thing for the Raptors looking ahead to the playoffs with this, and if, you, if you're worried about them only shooting 35%, uh, 
on the seventh highest uh, volume of threes relative to field goal attempts. Uh, Pascal Siakam and Norman Powell might not be taking threes in the playoffs because they might not be in the playoff rotation. We don't really know. Or if one of them is, then that would be Siakam right now. And a lot of time for that to change. They might tighten his role significantly and what he's asked to do. Yeah, we've talked before plenty about how we think the rotational shrink in the playoffs. Um, it certainly doesn't look like Norman Powell is. Norman Powell can't get in their regular season rotation right now. So yeah. he's arguably but, the 12th man. Yeah, but you just wait because the Raptors will be, you know, it'll be 2 2 in a first round series and things will look dire and then Norman Powell will come in and swing things again. This, yeah. this is what he does. Yeah, game five, Powell. <laughs> Although it started at game four last year, but you know, game fives are yeah. when he truly shines, obviously. Yeah. He's he's presented us with such a you know, he he's now a major factor in one of the biggest what ifs. Obviously the big what if of this era is what happens if James Dolan pulls the trigger on the Kyle Lowry trade. But yeah. what if Norman Powell doesn't help swing that game five against Indiana, at the very least, Dwayne Casey is gone. You would think so, yes. Not, I, I mean, think so. I, I would bet the very little money I have. Yeah, I mean, it's just that everybody is sort of... There, there have been multiple opportunities for Masai to get rid of Dwayne Casey. Not, a, not any opportunities as clear-cut as that one. But there have been multiple opportunities, and he hasn't done it. So I, I like to... And that's not a criticism. That is just fact. Uh, so I'm never quite sure about that, but that's my best guess. And it certainly would have been the easiest time to justify it. Yeah. That or after the wizard series. Well, that's um, what I'm saying. Like the wizard series, you could justify it pretty easily too. You would not have had to work very hard to say this team needs a change in approach and voice. Yes. Uh, to his credit, Dwayne Casey has improved as those things have gone along and he's, a pretty good coach. Uh, so good a coach, in fact, that he looks like he's going to coach the All-Star game. Uh, the Raptors are four games up on Cleveland with a combined 13 games to go between them uh, before the All-Star coaches lock in on February 4th. Brad Stevens is ineligible because he coached last year. Uh, barring a collapse and Cleveland turning things around or Miami going on a surge, Dwayne Casey is going to coach an All-Star game. And it's the first time a Raptors coach will have ever coached an All-Star game. Dwayne Casey will swear up and down that it doesn't matter to him, that he's focused on Atlanta on Wednesday, that he's focused on the Utah Jazz, the most appropriate opponent for Drake Knight on Friday, uh, <laughs> and that he's not thinking about the All-Star game at all, except as it pertains to Kyle Lowry. Uh, Eric, you know, do you think once it happens, Dwayne Casey will let up and concede that it's a nice honor for him and his staff to, to get recognized that way? Yeah. I think it's really cool for for a guy. I, I mean, it's one thing whether he says it publicly, and and I don't want to predict that because it's fairly meaningless. Uh, but for somebody to have the career that he's had to leave Kentucky, you know, uh, un, in controversy, uh, which he's largely been cleared of since, but you know. He left Kentucky, the school he played for, you know, in a lot of ways, his dream job, and this is me project, like, I don't know this, but his dream job might have been to coach the University of Kentucky. And when that didn't, when that 
ended the way it did, you know, all of a sudden he's in Japan trying to resurrect his career and only gets back into the NBA because of, you know, a run in with uh, George Carl and his first head coaching job goes, you know, he's sort of fired, you know, without much explanation. And those guys don't often get, those journeymen don't often get second chances. Like Dwayne Casey was not like a sexy name. Now, obviously the, the Mavericks winning the, the, I was about to call it the Super Bowl, the, the NBA championship certainly made his, his uh, resume a whole lot stronger. And I think it would be really strange and not like Casey at all to not sort of use it as a time to reflect a little bit on his path and the path of this coaching staff, um, which has been together for, for at least a little while. The, the staff uh, has changed its parts a few times, but uh, he, Nick Nurse, and uh, Rex Kalamian have been together since after the Washington series. And Jamma. Uh, and Jamma's worked his way up from, you know, picking up guys from, from the airport. Cares. Yeah, uh, from mixing get from mixing the Gatorade uh, at, at Raptors events in like the early two thousands. Uh, so I think it would be genuinely surprising if all those guys couldn't reflect on it and and you know feel warm and fuzzy inside at that point. Whether they admit that or not, you know, you never know. Yeah, they should feel good about it. It's, uh, you know, even if they're not first this year and they, it's kind of a era achievement award, you know, and look, I'm sure they'd rather just go on vacation or whatever, but I think that that's a nice thing for them to have on their resumes. Uh, also, I take issue with you saying Dwayne Casey was not a sexy name uh, because, you know, the name is what it is, Dwayne Casey, but have you seen those photos from his Kentucky days? <laughs> it's, uh, it's a good head of hair. It's it's also hilarious because it honestly when the, when Raptors.com when Holly and, and the rest of the Raptors digital staff did that awesome job on the uh, Dwayne Casey piece right as the season started it honestly looks like they just photoshopped the jersey and hair on him his face hasn't changed at all yeah some people are like that I I, I was just talking to somebody a friend and I can't remember at all who it is but some people's faces just don't change from. 20 till 65 to 65 and then like bam <laughs> everything yeah. changes uh yeah he's he's one of those guys and uh you know it must be the stress the stress-free life of professional coaching that keeps yeah. him looking so young. It, it must be going through like <laughs> a costco-sized bag of hauls a week that <laughs> there must be something in those it must be trying to see how Kyle Lowry feels today that yeah. that really keeps the youthful vigor alive in Dwayne Casey. Well, let's talk about Kyle Lowry. Speaking of Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry was on the starters on Monday night, and it was awesome. Yeah, That's Kyle's what... really charming. <laughs> yeah, it was good. And, and, you know, Kyle is a fan of the show because who isn't? The starters are just like, they're the greatest dudes. Um, so it's they're great the to see people. them. Yeah, they're the best people, and they're having like record levels of ratings this year. Uh, they have guys like Kyle Lowry come on and enjoy the show. Shout out to those guys, man. They're 
good humans and very entertaining. And look, Kyle Lowry has distinctive taste. He's into Bob's Burgers and the Starters. This yeah. is yeah. Although I'm slightly disappointed now that I found out that that Bob's Burgers too is available at Urban Outfitters. Uh, at Urban Outfitters, yeah. I, I thought he went out of his a part of me thought he went out of his way to acquire this and now that I know he likely didn't its charm has lost a little luster but still he's wearing a Bob's Burgers too yeah. and that's awesome yeah it, it was it was funny he, he wore that like a week after DeMar DeRozan wore like a bright yellow Homer Simpson hoodie that was just like Homer Simpson's face on a hoodie was it a hoodie or a shirt maybe it was just a shirt I thought it was a hoodie but I think it was, oh, hoodie, yeah, yeah. For some reason, I had, when you said it hoodie, I thought, like, hat, but no, it was a hoodie. Continue. Yeah, um, yeah the hoodie hat, you know what, you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> the shirt with the hat on it. Speaking of hoodies, look at these segues. Um, so, speaking of hoodies, uh, you surely saw DeMar DeRozan and the rest of the Raptors wearing hoodies with Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan on them as part of the team's push to get both of them in the All-Star game. DeMar DeRozan last not Tuesday. For, not, for, not for sale. Not for sale. Clear, not for sale. That would be copyright infringement. Yes. We are going to get uh, hoodies made of Eric and I on the Bad Boys logo, though. We are going to infringe so many copyrights. Yeah. Uh, so those sweaters obviously designed to help push Lowry and DeRozan in the All-Star game. On Thursday night, DeMar DeRozan was announced as a starter from the Eastern Conference. For those who are unclear... Uh, All-Stars are still selected the same way this year. Fans, media, and players split the vote for five starters from each conference. The coaches in each co- in each respective conference then vote on the seven reserves. Um, it's then when you have that pool of 24 players that the two captains, LeBron James and Steph Curry, will pick their teams from there. Uh, I would assume they have to pick the eight starters, the eight other starters first. So that those guys start. The, yeah, that's the first eight. And then the other 14, if I'm doing my math. So, yeah. So, some people have been unclear on why LeBron and Steph weren't just picking everyone else or why Dwayne Casey wouldn't pick Kyle Lowry as a shoe-in. Anyway, DeRozan came second in the fan voting with, like, 18 votes shy of a million votes or something like that. We couldn't get to a nice round number, guys. Uh, He came second in the media vote, and he came second in the players' vote. So, behind Kyrie Irving on all three, he gets in. He's starting in the All-Star game. Uh, Kyle Lowry did not do well in the he, vote. I think he, he would not have gotten in if uh, video, if positions were scrapped altogether, though. No, that's true. There were four front court players uh, and Kyrie yeah, Irving. Porzingis, I, I think, was also ahead of him. Zingy taps. All right. Um, no, no love for Al Horford, the DeMar DeRozan of uh, big man. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe the Kyle Lowry of big man. Yeah, I think that one's more apt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Because Demar, I mean, Demar has the gaudy stats, right? Like, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. um, I lost my train. So, Kyle, just, did, Kyle, Kyle did not do well in fan vote in any of the voting. Really, he came eighth in uh, fan voting. I think he came seventh in player voting or sixth in player voting. And then the media only gave votes to five different players. So Lowry was not one of them. Uh, Kyle Lowry, we'll find out. Shortly after we record this, whether or not he's going to his fourth consecutive All-Star game. DeRozan is going to his fourth, not fourth consecutive, though. Uh, This would be the third time that the Raptors have multiple players in the All-Star game, something they had only done once with Vince Carter and Antonio Davis prior to this era. Um, It's awesome. Eric, your gut feel is Kyle Lowry getting in. 
yes, I think he will. Um, most, uh, these aren't the coaches, of course, but most uh, experts, league-wide observers, sort of have him as the second reserve guard behind Victor Oladipo, uh, which is, I believe, where I'd have him. Um, I, I, against When they beat Milwaukee in Milwaukee, I wrote about Lowry saying, oh, I wasn't really sure at the time if he was going to get in because his numbers have taken a slight dip. He's playing a bit less, which is a good thing, obviously. Um, but first of all, with coaches, inertia plays a huge role uh, and winning plays a huge role. Kyle Lowry's been an all-star for three straight years. Should have been four, by the way, when uh, Joe Johnson got in over, over him in 2000. Yeah. Uh, he should have made that team and only didn't make that team because that was still one coaches hated Kyle Lowry. Um, I, I mean, I don't, I can't say that's only why, but that's my best theory. Uh, but I think he gets, and we found out via Candace Buckner that Bradley Beal is in. So that either takes away one of the guard spots or one of the wild card spots, depending on how you're, you're, you're putting this, uh, coaches have to vote in two guards three front court players, and then two more wild card spots that can play any position. Uh, so we have to assume that even if four guards are getting in, uh, Beal and Oladipo are two of those. So that leaves, at most, two, sports, two spots for Lowry, John Wall, uh, Goran Dragic, Kemba Walker, Ben Simmons, if you're calling him a backcourt player, I think he was listed as a backcourt player on the ballot, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, am I Middleton. missing anybody super obvious? Chris, Chris Middleton, Middleton, obviously, the anti-Demar. Yeah. But I think I, I think Lowry's in. I, I think he should be in over Beal, frankly. I, I'd have him ahead of Beal. I might be being influenced too much by the work on, on clutch numbers that I did yesterday that reveals that Bradley Beal has been like really, really awful in clutch situations for the Wizards this year. Yeah, I also, that in concert with Zach Lowe's note about how little, about John Wall leading the league in time spent standing still, yeah. and then watching one of their late game pick and roll actions the other day where Beal's like trying to throw a post-entry pass out of a pick and roll, and John Wall is like, like I think Mike Prada put the curbed music to it, um, <laughs> anyway, I think to answer your question is, with as much length, uh, with Giannis Antetokounmpo length as possible, I think Lowry's in, and I'd be surprised if he weren't. Here are some Lowry notes uh, for anyone on the fence about Lowry's candidacy. Yes, he's only averaging 17 points a game because he's playing his fewest minutes in a couple years. Those have come on a true shooting percentage just shy of 60 which ranks sixth in the NBA among guards who have at least an average usage rate, because as we know, efficiency is more difficult as you ratchet up the usage rate. Um, so he's among the best higher, moderate to high usage guards in terms of scoring efficiency. He's also averaging 6.7 assists, which translates to an assist percentage just shy of 30, which is 20th among all players. Um, not elite, but still very strong in the upper half for point guards. Uh, on top of that, you know, he gets over a steal a game. And then the rebounding. He's averaging six rebounds per game. His rebound rate of 10.3% is the best in the league for any player 6'2 or shorter. And it's the best ever by a pretty sizable margin for any player six foot or under. Obviously, Lowry's not competing for an all-star spot against historical players, 
but it's worth noting that he's rebounding at an historic rate for someone his size. Uh, if you look at catch-alls, his win shares and his box plus minus rates are right in line with his average over the last four years. They're down a little bit from last year, um, but they're still very strong. His real plus minus ranks him 11th among all NBA players in wins produced. And surprise, the Raptors are outscoring opponents by a lot when Lowry's on the floor uh, to the tune of seven points per 100 possessions. So, yeah, you can make a really strong statistical case for Kyle. Oh, and he leads the league in charges drawn. Yeah, I was gonna, I was going to say like while you were talking about rebounds, you can also add charges to that because that's a change in possession, right? And yep. often it's a high leverage change in possession because it pre- prevents a guy from getting what might be a layup um, or you know an open kickout for a three. And he also leads the le- the league in charges drawn while just coming back from a bruised tailbone and uh, stepping in front of Joel Embiid. Yeah, which you can argue whether that's worth it or not. <laughs> um, yeah, but he, he leads the league in it. N- yeah. Name me one other guy who's done that this year. No, no, there's nobody. There's uh, no one else who's led the league in that stat this year. Yeah. Uh, in short, uh, the Raptors are too good, and the opposing cases that you can make, like Kemba, the Hornets are just not good. As much as I love Kemba, Goran, the Heat, quote-unquote, deserve an all-star, but Goran Dragic isn't having his best statistical year. Uh, that'd be the name I'd sort of... I'd, that'd be the name I'm, I would sort of watch if he gets... Uh, if he doesn't get a spot. What if Goran Dragic, who is averaging... What is he averaging? 17.3 points, uh, 4.2 rebounds, 4.9 assists. So if your case against Lowry is the stat line, uh, Drogic is even less impressive uh, in about the same amount of time and on slightly less efficiency. Uh, Drogic is awesome, though. Don't take that as a shot at Drogic. No. I am for Drogic taking the final Eastern Conference All-Star spot under the condition that he wears the Miami Vice jersey during the All-Star game. Oh, boy. I have you, you've seen these jerseys, right? I have I have seen them. They are great. Yeah. And they, so if he does they that, made this whole Nike fourth jersey project worthwhile on their own. Yeah, he, they're great. Um, speaking of, uh, the Raptors will wear their new jerseys for the first time on Friday. That's pretty fun. Yeah. North, welcome Toronto. Welcome Toronto. As I as I tweeted during all the Giannis drama yesterday, the Welcome Toronto project will also include a sizable donation to Greek Town in 2021. Hey, I'd appreciate it. I, I would. You, is that where you live? From that. I mean, I live a 10 minute walk from there. Greek Town adjacent. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, okay. that's that's where my closest subway station is. It's. Uh, it would be good for me and for Giannis. Yeah, it would be great for Giannis. Uh, it'd be great for the city. And you know, if you don't, th- if you don't think Masai has plans on that 2020-2021 post this window timeline, well, you know, he does. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I don't think uh, they're going to be adding many contracts uh, that go beyond 2021 in the uh, in the near term. Okay, uh, there's been a little bit of drama in the NBA this week where the week before we were talking about all these fights. Um, we're now talking about infighting. There is a lot 
of drama in the Eastern Conference right now, Eric. Uh, it starts with the Cleveland Cavaliers, who apparently had a very heated meeting yesterday, who appear to have Kevin Love on the outs. Uh, I don't really know. Uh, they're in on George Hill. If George Hill becomes made available in trade from the Sacramento yeah. Kings, uh, there's a lot. Half hour. Now a half hour ago, as of me saying this, that I mean, we'd heard whispers before, but uh, Adrian Wojnarowski reporting that uh, Iman Shumpert and Channing Fry are the primary players being dangled in conversations for George Hill. Which you would certainly really have to wonder why Sacramento would entertain that idea. Well, I'm guessing though they would have to, they would have to get something. <laughs> I mean. I don't think that, you give up that uh, Nets pick for George Hill. No, but one's the first Cavs first that can be traded. Uh, I'm not sure. I know they can't trade both of their 2018s because they have to have one this year. So I would guess after that, that means 2021, maybe. Yeah, I'd have to double check. Or may- yeah, it's it's hard to figure out, but uh, George Hill. I mean. Uh, he would be attractive to a lot of teams, I would think. Yeah, he uh, he's good. It's a big sal- It's a big salary to fit in, but uh, it is. But it, there's only one million yeah. guaranteed on it in the third year, so it's really you know. No, I, I just mean, I just mean like per year, it's a big salary. Oh to yeah, fit to make in. the math work, you you have to send out Fry and Chumper probably. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in other drama, uh, apparently nobody on the Wizards likes John Wall. Uh, the Boston Celtics have lost three straight games, and the Milwaukee Bucks just fired uh, Jason Kidd. Not to mention, not that they sh- anyone should have looked at them as a threat. Uh, the Detroit Pistons have fallen off dramatically. Uh, Andre Drummond's still having a fun season, but they look like the Detroit Pistons again. Uh, let's talk about – you can talk about the Wizards or the Celtics if you want. Uh, I don't think the there's much to the Wizards, uh, you know, the, the infighting. It's kind of seemed like – Otto Porter doesn't, uh, and some of the others maybe don't vibe with John Wall and Bradley Beal for a while now. The Celtics is just a losing streak, I'm sure. Uh, the Bucks, though, firing Jason Kidd might be something that you uh, have some thoughts on, Eric? You know, I, I don't really want to talk about the Cavaliers again. Uh, it's sort of the same old problems in one way, but they're a year older, with, and that brings more risk of the same old problems being... Uh, fatal, <laughs> I guess I should say, uh, and it's the type of thing we can't really know until we know, if that makes sense. Uh, the the Bucks situation is very interesting to me. Uh, Jason Kidd was playing this aggressive, trapping, defensive style that was not working. They were 24th in the league in defensive efficiency, giving up a ton of three-pointers. It's not the first year that this has been a problem for them. And after making the Eric Bledsoe trade, maybe being in the market for another big man, uh, they just can't couldn't afford to wait any longer. Uh, and, and they need to maximize this roster because Giannis Antetokounmpo is a superstar in a small market and we know how teams react to that when those superstars head toward free agency. Now, after this year, Giannis will still have three more years in free agency, which seems like a long time, but that's not how it's treated uh, in the NBA. Uh, there were reports that Giannis Antetokounmpo loved Jason Kidd as a coach. I don't have trouble believing that. Um, 
I think those reports may have been leaked by Jason Kidd or his people, <laughs> which, which is fine. Uh, Jason Kidd certainly knows how to play the political game. Uh, but who becomes the next coach becomes a huge Eastern Conference, and I mean full-time coach, not interim coach, becomes a huge Eastern Conference story because Giannis is one of those players, you know, like the like the Pelicans fretting about Anthony Davis's happiness. Similarly, Giannis is one of those five or ten players who can really change the outlook of the entire league if he becomes available. Uh, in the it's short tough term, to say, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. No, uh, I was just going to say it's tough to say who might fill that spot so early, um, but a couple names that come to mind. Uh, I mean, people will always throw Jeff Van Gundy's name out there. Uh, the fact that he's active coaching again now at the international level. Uh, David Fisdale is obviously a popular one. And, uh, you know, I don't know if he'd want to do this to his friend Jason Kidd, but Jerry Stackhouse is going to be very high on uh, potential coaching lists this offseason. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I, I wonder if the Bucks would go young again. That's, that's the thing. Young guys who are so close to their playing careers. Maybe they would, but I, I just... I don't know. Um, in the short term, though, I think if the Bucks like dial back some of that aggressiveness on the defensive end and become sort of a mid-level defensive team as opposed to a bottom third defensive team, they become more dangerous in the interim. Uh, and that looms large in any high seed, low seed Eastern Conference first round series. Yep, that's a, that's a concern. Uh, like I don't think Jason Kidd lost the Bucks that series last year. I, I think the Raptors just wound up being the slightly better team. But yeah, and they kind of figured it, things out. And, yeah, but if they optimize what they're doing, they have a lot of length and a lot of skill on that roster, and we still don't even know how Jabari Jabari Parker fits into it. There, we have seen zero be, minutes with yeah, Giannis, could, Jabari Parker, and Chris Middleton. Yeah. They could be really scary, is all I'm saying. Uh, yeah. And But we'll have to see how this all comes together. Yeah, my bigger complaint is that they haven't been that fun to watch, which seems crazy. Yeah, it should be, you know, with all these athletic, long players on your roster, you should, including maybe the most fun player in the league, like to not be generally fun is kind of insane yeah um so yeah milwaukee and philly sit seven eight right now awesome 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 cool 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 i'd say here's the thing though here it's the thing about all of this drama and also the standings is that it's january like if you were if you were a raptors fan you could feel better about all these teams being in disarray if it were April as opposed to January, but at the same time, it's January and there's plenty of times for those teams to write their ships and the standings to end up in a place that's maybe more predictable. Yeah, I think I think right now the the concern maybe is that there are seven teams in the Eastern Conference that you could consider you know a threat to win a playoff series, and that includes the Raptors. I would say Boston, Toronto, Cleveland, Miami, Washington, Milwaukee, and Philly are all varying degrees of if you catch them in the wrong two-week span, they could be trouble for any of the other teams that, in yeah. that. I agree. It could be a pretty wide-open playoff bracket. 
I agree, but do you want to move to the West? I do not. I'm not. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying that, like, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's scary. interesting. Playoffs- maybe, maybe it puts a little more value on that one seed because maybe yeah. that increases your chances of drawing Indiana or Detroit. I don't know. Or maybe it doesn't. Maybe maybe they don't turn it around and it stays as it is, and Milwaukee or Philly ends up there. Uh, it was just only so much control you have over this stuff, uh, and yeah, it's scary, but. You're scared because this stuff matters and the Raptors matter. And that's good. It is good. Eric, the Raptors are going to play three games before we talk next. Maybe even four. I don't know. Uh, They are at Atlanta on Wednesday. They'll return home for double Drake night. Utah on Friday and the Lakers on Sunday during the Royal Rumble, which is killing me. Uh, Are they sweeping this this three-game stretch here? We're going to win all three. And I, I'm on a I'm on a two week roll of being perfect. So I, I'm I'm going to say they're going to win all three, going three and zero, and see if we can't uh, extend this personal streak that I only I care about to three weeks. Yeah, you would think at Atlanta and at home against the Lakers, who may be without Lonzo Ball, you know those are extremely winnable games. And then Utah. You know, don't sleep on them because of the 19 and 28 record. Obviously, they haven't played as well as they would like, uh, but they have Rudy Gobert back now, and Rodney Hood is, you know, maybe going to be in the lineup. They're uh, they're still a dangerous team. I think Donovan Mitchell is awesome. They're talented, but so are the Raptors, who are also very good at home. Yeah, the one thing that Utah does have going for it too, though, Joe Johnson. Now, nah, whatever. Just stick Terrence Ross on him. Stick Terrence Ross. Yeah, where's Landry Fields? <laughs> uh, oh, I'll miss these conversations when Joe Johnson retires. Which is never. We've got several years left. Yeah. Uh, no, the Raptors right, should sign. The Raptors should sign Vince and Joe Johnson next year. Sure. Yeah, just have a geriatric end of the bench. Vince starts forty-one <laughs> on Friday. Yeah, it's that would be a very Messiah-esque move. Yeah, yeah, very in line with how they've operated the last couple of years. Uh, all right, man, I gotta go. I'm gonna, I gotta get out of here. Okay, I'm gonna try to make this uh, piece work in, in some semblance, and and then get on with my life. I'm sure it'll work. Um, okay, so Mark Stein now just to add to our earlier conversation, Mark Stein just tweeted that uh, the Kings will get some sort of draft compensation if they flip George Hill for Amon Shumpert and Channing Fry, which of course they will. Of course they you will. think? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It makes sense unless, uh, you know, the Kings were so hard up for money that they'd take $3 million or whatever. Uh, the trade deadline, by the way, is two weeks from Thursday. I will be doing a couple of pieces at a couple of different places, explaining some of the trade deadline rules, going over some of the ins and outs. I know I've already done that a little bit at The Athletic, uh, but if you have specific questions – that you'd like me to tackle, you're unclear on some salary cap stuff or what rules, you know, the Raptors have to follow. Um, You know, I prefer not to talk in specific trade, like, oh, can they get DeAndre Jordan? If you, it's easier to tackle them as more like theoretical questions uh, where I could then use the players as examples. But if you have any of those, uh, let me know. Twitter is probably the best way to get me at Blake Murphy ODC. Just DM me or, or tweet me or whatever. Um, or email me. I don't care. Um, but I'm going to kind of try to cast a wide net and make sure I hit all the questions that people have, uh, even if I've already answered them some places, because, you know, I don't know if people will go back and read something from December. 
like, uh, what do you think about this? Norm Powell and Jonas Valanciunas for Marc Gasol. I think if you're going to trade that package, you trade it for Kawhi. <laughs> Uh, the joke being, of course, that Norm Powell cannot be traded, and that the, both of those both to, those trade frameworks are awful for the other team. Yeah, I'm just trying to rile up Blake, but it doesn't work. He's unrileable. I'm rileable, much like much like the Maple Leafs defense core right now. Okay, Ooh. let's go home. Um, okay, man. That's well, thanks awesome. thanks for this. Appreciate <laughs> your time. Uh, we'll talk to you guys next week to complain about Kyle Lowry's All Star snub, which would. Happen only despite this podcast uh, at this point, and despite Kyle hey, Lowry. Yeah, if he doesn't make the All Star game, he can't end up in a uh, in a on national television in a wrap around his wrist uh, for everybody to panic about. So no, he'll just good. throw his back out in private it. golfing. Yeah, well, but we won't know. We won't have a chance to worry about it until. He has the surgery. Yes. That's good. He'll also be at $200,000 if he doesn't make it, which would suck for good him. For luxury tax, but great for the Raptors cap. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm at the point with the luxury tax now where I'm trying to figure out how many games of who getting suspended would let the Raptors add extra salary in a trade deadline trade. I'm leaving no stone unturned here, man. I'm going to – like I, I'm – I'm not certain that the Raptors aren't going to have Serge Ibaka go and intentionally get suspended again so that they could add more money under the tax apron. <laughs> Yeah, dozens of people are uh, are thankful to you for all of your hard work yeah. to figure that out. No. Uh, anyway, uh, thanks so much for listening, guys. We'll talk to you next week. See ya. It's too late to be a reasonable.